Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Running East to West, our podcast focused on uh, the National Football League. Um, my name is Max. And I'm John. I don't think we really have much to talk about this episode, do we? Mm, it's been a pretty quiet week, all things yeah. considered. <laughs> so the funny... so. A little backstory. So I messaged you this morning. We we're just like trying to figure out schedule, and I'd, all I wrote was, "Are you ready to do your victory lap tonight?" <laughs> uh, it was accurate. I was trying to find the best way to uh, announce that. Um, yeah, it was a uh, it was a game, man. Twenty five <laughs> freaking points. It it was a game. Um, yeah, this week's episode for the podcast. Um, if you're not to um, if you're not already subscribed, you can find us on iTunes and you can follow us on Twitter at running East to West podcast, something like that. Um, East to West pod. Um, but yeah, uh, this week's episode, pretty much all Super Bowl focused, um, with our in-house resident new England Patriot fan. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You were quiet there for a little bit last night. <laughs> I, <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> There was a moment when I removed myself from the TV and <laughs> went and worked on dinner for a while. Just just a total, like, I've come to peace with this moment. <laughs> after after that first third quarter possession, when they started like the 47 and went three and out, I was like, nope, nope I need to walk away for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the wife and I were watching, and, and um, I had... Sometimes she helps me do some stretches with my legs because they always get tight. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Like, we don't have to really pay attention. So I'm like, you know, like sprawled out on the floor. And then like, oh, I'm like, oh, wow, stuff's kind of like, they're kind of like scoring points and doing well and all that kind of stuff. So I started paying attention (laughs) again. And that was, I think that was like right around the time when you're like, you, you kind of came, slid back into the conversation. We started to see your like red messages and then you were, (laughs) you were back in there. (laughs) Oh man, I saw it. I felt it. All they yeah. need is that little spark, man. But yeah, it was, that was uh, crazy. It's a rough half, rough three I quarters. Mean, <laughs> well, I mean, and what's so great about it is like there's a lot of, and we'll we'll get into this, but like they were on a lot of different levels. It was literally a one of a first ever historical moments in that game. Um, first overtime, uh, biggest comeback, you know, Brady's wins, and all that kind of stuff. But um. But, uh, yeah, let's just dive right in, because I think really the, the big thing is that this is a game of two halves. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the first half, I think, I hesitate to say the Falcons were dominant, but they had it pretty well in control at that point. Well, yeah, I would agree. And I think it's kind of half and half. It was half the Falcons being very good, and it was half the Patriots just shooting themselves in the foot constantly the Brady interception was just god awful that was one of the worst throws I've seen from him in like a year or two um just basically hit the guy right in the hands um the blunt fumble was all Atlanta um there's only so much you can do and you have two 250 pound dudes ripping at your arm so yeah and Deion Jones is is gonna be I think he's probably gonna be a star in in the NFL um, I don't necessarily know yet if he's gonna like be the sort of elite middle linebackers that you see with like Keekley and Levante David and mm-hmm. Bobby Wagner, but like he's he's got potential. Um, and he he was I'm pretty sure he was he was either the one that was holding Blunt or he was the one that got in there and ripped it out. Um, he was the one who ripped it out. Right. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I mean, we could just take it first quarter really nothing happened because it was zero zero mm-hmm. um probably the biggest thing was that I, it was either like the first time in the the season or like one of the first times the patriots actually held the falcons to no points in their opening drive which n- no one had done i think mm-hmm. um so that in and of itself is is obviously um was notable um but yeah that first mm-hmm. half it was just kind of there was a, I had a feeling that I was like, oh man, this is just going to be a clunker offensively like last season um, or last mm-hmm. Super Bowl when it was like whatever it was when basically these two defenses just just smothered the offenses and it was like whose offense is going to be less bad tonight. <laughs> That's such a bad game. 
Yeah, that's. I kind of always forget that game was in there. Like, yeah. if it wasn't for Manning retiring, it probably would have. It's just an utterly forgettable game. And it's not done any favors sandwiched between two of the best Super Bowls, arguably, ever. Yeah. And then itself sandwiched by a total shellacking. So. <laughs> Which means next year's going to suck. <laughs> well, hopefully not, but <laughs> if the trend is true then we'll see yeah um but yeah it was like really weird with me um that i noticed was because you and i were, were talking to mark who's a kind of an adopted falcons fan he spent some he's lived in atlanta a few years mm-hmm. um and we were both like man ryan looks awful or mm-hmm. maybe not awful he just didn't look as sharp as he used to but like he was six for six and he had the one dump off to De- uh, Devontae Freeman. Yeah, just that one dump off that went for like 40 yards um, <laughs> yeah. on the first play. That but was great. Yeah, cause, and I was just a bit ahead of you guys, so I was like, oh, boy. And you guys were like, what? And then it, and then he, you guys saw him <laughs> hit that. I saw a pop-up and saw Freeman. I'm like, oh, shit. Something's about to happen. And it was throughout the whole game. He felt like he was a half second from just housing him, mm-hmm. but just for whatever reason, was just never able to to make it happen. Um, obviously, he scored the he scored one touchdown, two touchdowns. No, yeah, no, he did score one because it was Tevin Coleman later. Yeah, the one um, where he shattered some ankles. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just kind of like he had a couple of those big runs, but it just never seemed like he was able to just make that one last tackle to just go home and um Bama and yeah. don't break baby yeah um but yeah to like to kind of end out um two of the falcons i think they really only had two possessions um in the first quarter like both times ryan effectively just gave up on the play mm-hmm. um he just sort of turtled and just kind of fell to the ground <laughs> yeah no, and to, kind of to your point, that as well as earlier when we were remarking that he was playing horrible, it wasn't like when he was throwing the ball, he was doing well and he made some fantastic throws, but it was everything that he wasn't doing when he turtled up and then he just held onto the ball too long at times and just like stupid mental errors that someone who's like, he's been around for like eight years eight nine years or something right like he shouldn't be doing those things um especially with the kind of year he's had we like having watched their other two games in the playoffs and then watching like the first quarter of that game and the third and fourth quarters basically um it looked like he regressed four or five years no yeah exactly um and I think his rookie year was 2008, so this would be his ninth year. Mm-hmm. Maybe eight. Yeah, I don't know how you'd count that, actually. It is um, ninth, yeah. Yeah, it, it was exactly that. He, he looked like he regressed to sort of the, the Matt Ryan that we'd seen in playoffs in years prior, where he just kind of, the whole, like, regular season Matty Ice persona gave way to just not not good performance i mean mm-hmm. out before this year he was one in four in the playoffs and that one lone win he almost choked away the the win to seattle and it was basically the the last minute matt bryant kick um mm-hmm. that won the game for him and yeah every other time it just he just did not look good and so you started to get that you know he's got that reputation of being a, a a postseason choker and that was exactly what you were seeing like this is like the game the stage was too big for him and and he'd gotten through some of these playoff games and then all of a sudden it just he fell back um mm-hmm. and then julio jones showed up in the second quarter yeah and to their credit as well part of that was definitely due to the coverage um the defense at that point was playing lights out and they had they're very, very up and down. They took a quarter off, basically. But when he was struggling, to his credit and to the defense's credit, they were playing very well. And they were not giving up yards or giving large windows for him to throw in. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So that's the first quarter. Um, Going to move into the second quarter. This is when the scoring actually started to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Let's see, the first one, yeah, so 
you know, they're moving down the field, and I think it was that the Devontae Freeman kind of off the left side did this weird, like, like he wanted to kind of celebrate in his jump, but then didn't, <laughs> just kind of flopped into the end zone thing. Looked like a stuntman dive or something. It was weird. Yeah, it was just like, are you going to do the Marshawn Lynch, like, crotch grab? Are you, like, <laughs> like what are you trying to do here? And, like, he just kind of was, like, midway through, like, wait a minute, and, like, had to do something. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I think it, it's so weird because you look at it, and, it, like we said, it's a, it, this game was two halves. In that first half, Devontae Freeman and, and, to a lesser extent, Tevin Coleman basically were able to almost run free against the Patriots really without mm-hmm. any sort of issue. Like some of the, the runs up the middle probably due to Alex Mack's injury weren't necessarily as great, but when they were getting the Patriots going sideline to sideline, like they were cutting the corner and getting like 10 yards every run. Mm-hmm. And, Couldn't and set then the you, edge at all. It was bad. Yeah. I mean, and you, yeah. And then you saw the same thing with like these little short dump off passes and like that kind of stuff. Like they were, they were getting them out there and, and that was exactly what you saw. Um, which in the second half that went away, um, so I mean we'll get to that. But whatever Patricia did, like he fixed it. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> heck of an adjustment. Yeah, um, and and I think and then on the other the other side, the Falcons' defense, and we haven't really talked about them too much, but mm-hmm. the amount of pressure. So I saw the stat. I saw that they were pressuring Brady on sixty percent of his throws in the first quarter. And but as the game went on, that pressure percentage dropped like significantly. I think mm-hmm. by the fourth quarter, it was in like single digits. Um, and when you and I were talking, that was what I figured would be the the difference between the Falcons winning or losing was mm-hmm. if they could get pressure on Brady, which you saw, like he started throwing some pretty bad passes you saw him getting sacked you saw him like there was that sequence where basically the falcons kept holding mm-hmm. and marching the patriots down the field but on like every single one of those plays he was getting popped hard oh yeah it um, was hard to watch i there were definitely some jolts of fear like through my heart a couple times he got yeah. up slow way too many times yeah there's that one near the end zone i think when um he got like twisted up mm-hmm. and he was getting up a little a little gimpy there um so yeah i mean i think it was like the falcons came in with like a perfect game plan for that first half and they executed it effectively perfectly they only gave up the three points um which was after and, and you and i both had the same criticism of that sequence near the end of the half with the patriots where they ended up settling for the field goal Mm-hmm. Because that had the that had the Martellus Bennett draw play that mm-hmm. you were you were so fond of. I okay, so a draw play to someone like our quick shifty guys, you like do it to White, Edelman, Amendola, really anyone else. Like, sure, he can outrun a guy, he can break a tackle, he can get out of bounds. Bennett is a good player, but he's not a quick player. Um, he's very lumbering and it felt like it took him a year just to like turn around it. Yeah. I don't get it. Like of all the skill players they have, all the plays in that playbook, Josh McDaniels pulled that one out of the hat. Yeah. (laughs) That was, I, my whole complaint with that was you had 12 seconds left. You had – it was second down, I think it was. I believe so. Y- you had at least one shot left at the end zone there. Mm-hmm. Where you, you just r- send everyone in there and just kind of make it like a single look. You know, your internal clock is, you know, I, I know I've got four or five seconds. I can't take a sack. And if the guy's not there, you just sail it into the end zone. You stop the clock and you go and kick the field goal. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, like you said, like, I don't understand what the thinking was there. It was sort of like. He over, overthink it, dude. Like, he just, he got too tricky for his own good, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, I don't know. It's just, 
it's one of those players where you're like, huh? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I know as NFL fans, we probably always sit there and we're like, oh, like, what a stupid coordinator. Like, what would you have done that? And, like, this is one of those, like, few, like, single-digit plays out of, like, the entire season mm-hmm. where you and I probably would have called a better play than, like you said, he overthought <laughs> yeah. it. Um, um, it was bad. And, um, yeah, I mean, the first half was, was crazy. It, crazy bad for me, but it was crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean, at least they got points. That ended up being a huge thing. Um, and on one hand, you know, better to take the points than to risk a pick, especially after the two red zone turnovers i know brady's was i think blunt was near the red zone on like the 25 or something so Mm. they'd already given away basically a 28 point swing or a potential 28 point swing so i mean at the end of the day any points at at that point any little glimmer of hope was a good thing yeah and and i it's I, i forgot about um with the interception that bennett probably prevented a, a second interception deep in your own territory there because mm-hmm. that was the one where Brady kind of got hit um, and it sort of sailed up in the air and for for whatever reason like I don't I, I don't know the angles you know that's the one downside with like the TV view mm-hmm. is that like I couldn't see like you know like where the ball was at but like there were two Falcons who were coming screaming on that thing and Bennett was in just the right position to pick it off before the other two guys got there um Mm -hmm. and that the the prevailing theme that i saw on my like seahawks twitter was they the falcons never had their percy harvin kickoff return moment Mm -hmm. which was basically how the seahawks opened up the second half against the broncos is like they had a lead but it wasn't a guaranteed lead and then percy harvin kicked it and it was like 35 to zero or 35 to eight or something like that Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, I think this game is over. <laughs> yeah, they they came out flat. And, um, I mean, I think it was big for them to come out and just stop them. I believe it was a three and out, right, on that first possession? So to open up the first half, yeah. And and that was such a big thing was that the the when the, Patri- the Falcons, rather, weren't really able to do anything near the end of the half, that was huge for the Patriots because – they were going to come out like if they had been able to get a field goal or another touchdown and then come out and scored again like the game would have been out of reach mm-hmm. um and so yeah they came out and immediately went three and out yeah and that was that was huge i mean as you said if they were able to get points there it's hard <laughs> it's pretty difficult to you know score 31 unanswered points to win a game but you add even a field goal on that that it would have been an extra possession, and I don't know if they could have overcome that. And I think one of the most important things there is the announcers were pointing it out um, that due to the long halftime and um, just all the different Patriots possessions and things that the Falcons' offense was on the sideline or not in the game for over an hour. Um, but the flip side of that is so was the Patriots defense that was um, at the end of that half when Atlanta was pointing, uh, putting up points, like there was one point. Um, I can't remember which one it was on where we, they had to call a timeout just to like catch their breath. Um, oh. They were just getting run over. Um, so I think that was a huge like unspoken thing too, um, because the Falcons, as I, kind of preached it on our um, pregame last week they rely on their speed so um, if you can counter that then then you can take them out and that's what happened with the defense I think as well Um, the Patriots held the ball um, significantly longer I believe it was like 40 minutes to to something I have right here uh, yeah, including OT, the Patriots had the ball 40 minutes, 31 seconds to the Falcons, 23-27. Mm. So when you have those fast defenders getting winded, getting knocked around, um, I mean, they're once they lose their speed, they don't have the power to make up for it. No, it, it you, you, you stole a line that I had. <laughs> um, 
No, that that's exactly right. I think um, the other stat that I saw was by the end of the game, the Falcons had played like almost a hundred snaps on defense, mm-hmm. um, and I think the the Falcons offense had only it was like they hadn't even hit forty, or like they were only around forty. Jeez. Um, and so it was almost like a double-edged sword that they they scored so efficiently in the first half because at one point they had 21 points to like 18 plays Mm -hmm. it's like they were averaging more than a point per play that like you said like they were they would get a touchdown score and then come right back out and the defense is on the field and so they played the defense basically played two games and so like you said it's a quick it is a fast defense it 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 is Seattle's defense in a sense that they sort of overwhelm you with athleticism, but that athleticism gets tired. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you could make an argument that, so set aside the Earl Thomas injury, Seattle's defense in two weeks, the Arizona game, and then like whatever, whoever they played the week after, that defense played like three or four games, basically based on how many snaps they had to play. Mm-hmm. And you could just see like, how tired they were and that was the exact same thing that happened to atlanta last night and that's the reason why their sack total their sack um sorry not their sack totals but their uh, pressure percentages dropped as the game went on is that basically grady jarrett and dwight freeney and all them like and 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 aside where was vic beasley all night he was totally erased i don't think he did anything significant that i remember no i, I think somebody said that he had like a tackle and like a tackle for lost uh, i didn't look uh, at his stat line but it, yeah he was forgettable looks like all he had that was recorded uh, at least on my app is one pass defense not even <laughs> a assisted tackle or anything i mean he's supposed to be one of the best defensive ends and he basically did nothing against I mean, the new england offensive line isn't bad but it's not exactly elite by any standard no i wouldn't say so a lot of rookies and a lot of unexperienced players in the middle you know like i was looking at um uh pro football focus and like solder let's see he he gave up 10 pressures in the first 37 minutes of the game he was getting he was getting embarrassed like he's not the best in the league but he is close to if not an elite left tackle and that was inexcusable yeah yeah and and so i mean you saw grady jarrett and he was getting a lot of great um he he was lining up a lot against shaq mason right uh yes i believe so yeah so he was getting a lot of pressure he had two or three sacks um dwight freeney had one um that's See, I think there was some that got wiped out because of the holding. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying not to factor those in. So yeah. maybe Grady Jarrett had three and Dwight Freeney had one. Three, Freeney had one, and Upshaw had one. Right. That was the – oh, God, yeah. That was the one where he <laughs> – that was the, the, the grown man hit on Shaq Mason. Yeah. <laughs> or is it Cannon? Uh, it was uh, Mason, I believe, where he just bowled yeah. him over. Yeah, just hit him once and just basically knocked him into Brady and then just tackled him. Yep, that was a pretty bad one. Yeah, that was a grown man play right there. Um, All right, so... Yeah, but you didn't see that in the second half. I mean, and and give credit to the New England Patriots that, um, again, from pro football focus, they they noted that kind of basically the, the second half, Brady just shifted to the shotgun the whole time. And mm-hmm. it looked like he he also cut down on. They said his um, time to throw dropped down to two, a little under two and a half seconds. So there Dang. was like a, clearly they decided that there that was the the scheme that they needed to follow is give him a couple extra yards and quick passes. Yeah, well, sixty two attempts he threw it a couple times, which is yeah. insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they said let's see in the. Uh, I think basically when when there was 23 minutes left, um, after that he went 26 for 33 for 284 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, and had a passer rating of 122.7. Yeah, I think uh, 
right after the halftime break, the announcer said his first half passer rating was like 66%, and then he countered it with that on the other side of it. Yeah. Was yeah. insane. And, I mean, on speaking of kind of defenses as well, before we go too much into offense of it, and the Patriots' D, and how about people like Trey Flowers showing up, man? Two and mm-hmm. a half sacks? That was crazy. He was all yeah. over the place. I mean, and the the impressive thing with the the Patriots defense for me is also that I mean, there's not like you know your 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 biggest guys aren't on the team anymore, and like it's not necessarily big, but like the the elite names that you think of the the Jamie Collins, the Chandler Chandler Jones, yeah, yeah, I was like forgetting for a second, um, like those are those guys that you would think of outside of Malcolm Butler, like, those are the elite guys. Like, you know, the Ninkoviches, they're really good, but, like... Well, you're forgetting McCordy and Hightower, you know, pro bowlers, right. perennial pro blow, uh, pro bowlers. Pro, pro blowers. <laughs> well, the first half, yes. Yeah. But, like, it, it, the to me, the New England defense, like, and this is this is kind of the, the weird thing, is that they had the number one scoring defense, but, like... It, it I struggle to see, think of a guy on the team who's like a true like star, like everyone knows Malcolm Butler because of the interception, but I don't know. It just doesn't seem like he or really anyone on that team. It's it's one of those like the the sum is greater than the parts. Well, I mean, just for one, McCordy is con pretty universally considered one of like the top five free safeties in the league um most have him right behind like earl thomas and matthew Mm. so gonna have to disagree with you there but on the outside of those (laughs) few stars yeah um it is i mean you have someone like kyle van noy who gets half a sack in the game um so there's they have the few centerpieces they have you know high tower and McCordy, which are our stars. I will not allow you to say they're not. Um, <laughs> and they are the quarterbacks. McCordy's running the secondary and Hightower runs the front seven. Um, so they are, are very important and they are a big part of getting those people who aren't well known or, you know, are at the end of the day bit players, you know, getting them to perform the best, getting them in the right position to perform, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, they did well. <laughs> they uh yeah with the exception of that one quarter they were pretty lights out i mean atlanta can really do anything outside of that second quarter um they had their few like good plays and good series they had that insane throw to julio jones over like eric rose fingertips yeah, yeah off that sideline there yeah <laughs> That was crazy, but they couldn't put anything together. They just kept getting smothered. Um, and as you said earlier, they shut down the run D quite a bit. Well, and and to to back up a little bit, because because that whole series, like we could probably that from that moment <laughs> on, we could probably discuss the rest of the game for the rest of the, the cast. So yeah, really the the tide turn in the middle of the third quarter and. It, uh, let's see here. It that was the um, the high tower um, strip sack, which I believe I predicted high tower having a game changing strip sack. Did you? Mm-hmm. One of my many go. predictions. Malcolm <laughs> Butler covering their number two guy and double covering Julio Jones. There's which they one. did. It was. To mixed results. I mean, it, it, then again, it's Julio Jones. He's going to get his. So, I would argue that he was shut down, dude. When you keep Julio to four receptions for 87 yards and no touchdowns, I think you've you've shut him down as much as you can. One of the best players in the league. You keep him from breaking the game. Right. I would. I would say I would agree to the latter part that you they kept him from breaking the game. I think like one play that I think of in particular was the um, there's the Gabriel reception where basically Gabriel just followed him up like the seam. 
mm-hmm. and like the entire <laughs> New England defense just kind of swarmed to Julio, and Gabriel was basically just left one on one. I I mean I think I think the biggest issue was they didn't take advantage of the fact that the the Patriots basically told the Falcons we're going to sell out to prevent Julio Jones from mm-hmm. going off again like he did 2 weeks ago it doesn't seem like the the Falcons took advantage of that in, in the sense that you like you know Mohamed Sanu had a couple catches it was fun you know it, Devontae Freeman had some catches and got to his yards but like it just seems like they didn't take advantage of that that sort of concession that the Patriots made to say we're going to put two or even three guys on Julio Jones, which means that you should have favorable matchups elsewhere, which speaks to the Patriots mm-hmm. in that they could they have the personnel to actually make that happen, that they can one-on-one those guys. But you didn't see... It seems like the, the Falcons missed an opportunity to try and... I, I don't know. It just seems like they're if you're if you were gonna let the Patriots do that, then they they should have countered by going elsewhere, and it just didn't seem like they did. Yeah, I mean, as I talked about a little bit in last week, you know, one of the things that I've seen from Belichick and um, Patricia over the years is they, when you're facing a talent like that, they essentially erase your number one guy and say if you're going to beat us you're going to have to do it with your second third fourth fifth guys and as you said the falcons just couldn't do that they had freeman and coleman who were effective early on but couldn't really do anything sanu did what he did in cincinnati for however many years he sucked there um (laughs) gabriel half of his yards were on a, a broken play essentially broken coverage um and then the, a large part of the other half of it was that um trailing route which i still feel the patriots made the best decision there even though they gave them a lot of yards because uh, yeah. anytime the ball's in gabriel hand gabriel's hands then julio's hands is uh i think that's a good play yeah but I don't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> but basically, oh, it was, yeah, it's going back to the high tower sack. Like, I mean, that was the turning point. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember where they were at on the field. Was it a short field for the Patriots? Uh, I believe, shoot, I'd have to double check. I think it was like on the 30 or 40. Oh, it, yeah, it was on It was on the Falcons 30. Yeah, it was, that was a big deal. That was yeah. just that one little breath of life that you need to kick off a comeback like that. Um, and with a team like the Patriots, it's all you need is a spark. Well, and I was wrong. I thought that was in the third quarter. That was in the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah, that was when the Falcons were needing to come in and put an extra possession on the board for the Pats. Right. Yeah, okay, yeah, because it was... So there's the other New England score where... But that was off the, the Miss um, Goskowski field goal. Extra point. With, Extra point, yeah, sorry. Um, and, and it's interesting. I keep forgetting about the – I can't really say one way or another. I think the penalty that they called on Shea McClone was obviously incorrect because he was lined up over the gap. But mm-hmm. I thought somebody had said that they called offsides on him. Um, I heard that it was – shoot, I'm trying to think because the announcers were all over the place. They were – because Belichick was chewing him out because it sounded like he thought, and maybe that was what they called, that it was it was him lining up over the center, which you can't do. But you could see he was clearly lined up over the guard, mm-hmm. which in that case it was a bad flag. But I thought somebody had said, oh, he, he looked offsides, which in that case it would have been a, an appropriate flag. Yeah. Either way, I mean, between those two points, because that would have brought the Falcons down to 27 and then had, had Goskowski kick the field goal, they wouldn't have needed one of those two-point conversions. They would have won on a field goal, and on a PAT, mm-hmm. which is sort of an a under underestimated part of that, um, of that comeback. But, okay. Uh, <laughs> Fourth quarter. What a couple quarter things it was. <laughs> yeah, a couple <laughs> things happened. Um, so, yeah, we, we talked a bunch about the... Um, the high tower sack fumble um and that led immediately to new england scoring 
well, not immediately, but they scored off that possession um, and then converted the two-point conversion with a pretty interesting play. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, yeah, uh, I don't even know what it's called, honestly. I think it was just a, it was it was a direct snap, direct but I don't know who whoever the running back the other running back is, um, not Legarrette Blunt, <laughs> James White. James? Yeah, I think it was directly to him. Yeah, it was. And then he just kind of like ran off tackle in for the the touch the not the touchdown the two point conversion. That was an interesting play call. I was not expecting that. I thought they'd I thought one hundred percent they'd put it in Brady's hands in a situation like that, but. It worked. He didn't get touched until he like hit the goal line. So it was it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and that kind of set it up. That that started putting the math back in their favor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then really the really the the sequence that sort of doomed the Falcons was kind of goes back to that that Julio Jones catch that you were talking about with Eric Rowe. Mm-hmm. Um, they so they they throw Ryan throws it to Jones, gets him down to the twenty yard line with a total absolute absolutely circus catch. It was crazy. People were posting a bunch of pictures of him doing that, and then next to Michael Jackson doing his dance moves. <laughs> That's awesome. And that was about as close as they would ever get to scoring. Yeah, they honestly the Falcons offense might as well have not showed up in that second quarter. Um or the fourth quarter, rather, sorry. Uh yeah, I mean that was there's so much going on. I'm trying to like get it all straight in my head. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, so they catch the pass or, or Julio Jones catches the pass. They're at the 20. And there's 4 minutes remaining. And instead of running it down, basically you're in field goal. At this point, a field goal won you the game mm-hmm. because that would have it would have made New England have to it would have made it a two point uh, two score game. And instead of running it, they throw it. And now this is a bit of a controversial play, and and this is the one where they threw it to um, I don't know who it was. <laughs> I don't. It was not Julio Jones, basically the wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, it might have been Sanu. So the Falcons are flagged for a hold. But on the play, there was really both teams committed a face masking penalty. So mm-hmm. the Patriots DB gets his helmet ripped off, but you could see he was clearly pulling on the Falcons player, which. Is odd that it didn't get neither one got flagged because had they thrown that flag, my understanding is that that play would have been it would have been a re, replay of the down. So I thought that would only be the case if those were the only two flags. So if there was just those face masking, it would offset and it replayed down. But I thought that if there was that third one, they would still enforce the other penalties. Um, my understanding I... was it only erased everything else if one of those like personal fouls were enforced so and and maybe you're right and maybe this is i'm not 100 percent sure on the rules here because i thought that the only time that that something like that wouldn't have been wiped out is if it was a was like a a, um was like an unsportsmanlike conduct or something like that or it was after the play because that's the whole like thing with like if there's even a five-yard penalty committed by the offense can wipe out a pass interference play that sends you to the one-yard line. Um, but maybe I'm wrong, and, and and maybe that's why it's not as big of a deal. But either way, that, that basically that hold pushes them back, and they're like, I don't know. It, it was, was that they're like, 35 so it was a i think if i remember right it was a 52 yard field goal at that point long but doable especially yeah, for matt bryan too yeah and then instead of being like oh hey this was really bad oh and, and by the way they on both of those plays 
Julio Jones went out of bounds and it was an incomplete pass, so the the clock stopped. Mm-hmm. So then, after this play, Matt Ryan gets sacked at like the fifty yard line. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. It was as Matt Ryan. It was the one thing you could not afford to do. Um, and I mean, we were talking a lot of trash yesterday about how his penchant for his playoff interceptions and that and the strip sack were his his big chokes his big turnovers because he that sack gave the Patriots a ball essentially it was effectively a turnover and I just I don't get how in that situation he doesn't at least like rocket it out man like there's got to be there's got to be that just in case that like fallback if the coverage breaks and you're about to get taken down Oh yeah, I mean, it, it was it was literally the only thing that he couldn't do in that situation was either turn it over or take a sack, and he took a sack. And it was I I read that it was like the first time in the playoffs or something like that where a team was at the twenty yard line with like a first down or whatever mm-hmm. and had to punt because that was basically what happened was that was where the first like that's how far they had to get. Mm-hmm. And they ended up punting. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it, I know that was a big discussion, like, Mike and Mike this morning was, like, should they run it? And, like, I understand the the, the whole – this conversation's different if they ran it three times and, for whatever reason, like, weren't able to score – or they kick the field goal and somehow New England manages to win. Like, obviously, we're going to be like, why didn't they go for the touchdown? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, though. Like, in that situation, like, you have to know, I need to burn off all my clock. New England only had one or two timeouts at that point, plus the two-minute warning. Like, they should have been riding that that um, play clock down to one second every single time and should have been handing it off and burning another 40 seconds off that clock, and either at at the least forcing New England to use up their timeouts, mm-hmm. if not burn off all the clock, and then kick a field goal. And I don't understand why Shanahan and Quinn didn't do that. Yeah, that's, that to me is kind of like football 101. Yeah, I, like... <laughs> I'm just... Like I was sitting there watching, and you're just like, "What are you? What are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, I think they, I think they just got too far or too into themselves. Because if you saw, like one of the kind of subplots I I saw in my mind was when they come out came out in the second half, like they were all having a jolly good time on the sideline. You saw cuts of Quinn and Shanahan like beaming smiles and stuff the whole time, and <laughs> I think they just kind of took it for granted and um it just broke down everything broke down for them they couldn't do the simplest of things as as you're saying um i don't know like you wouldn't see most college teams make that mistake when you have a victory in your hands you know you have to get rid of the clock that's the number one priority in that situation yep yeah and it's it's just frustrating because you like for even as like a non fan like I'm I'm uninvested in this game and it was like it was the most frustrating thing to watch where you're just like you know exactly what you need to do mm-hmm. and they just did the exact opposite like they did almost everything short of an a pick six or a fumble recovery for a touchdown they did everything they they could wrong mm-hmm. and. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's just it doesn't make sense. And and he they punted away and Brady and company basically marched down the field. Um I mean, I think the closest they got was that there was like a um you know, it was like third down on that mm-hmm. first couple plays and then after that they basically just took the chunk yardage and went and scored the touchdown. Yeah, I think I think you're right the third down where they had someone Brady was standing in the end zone because they started from their nine um, and he had someone like around his legs when he, I think he hit Edelman running across the field. And then it was just, um, yeah, as you said, they just chunked it away. And I mean, 
Was there anyone realistically that saw Brady get the ball back with three minutes left on the nine yard line and thought that they weren't going to win? Like it just, <laughs> it felt like destiny, like this whole season. Well, um, I mean, and if nothing, and if you had any doubts, it was eliminated with that stupid Edelman catch. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, that was insane. That uh, I like sat there with my mouth open because it just blew my mind. Um, I've seen I have seen my Patriots lose two freaking Super Bowls and almost a third on stupid, ridiculous catches like that. And so to finally get one <laughs> my way was a, such a vindicating and amazing feeling. Yeah, I I thought it had hit the ground. I mean, credit to that ref that was like, nope, he held on to it because I don't think he actually knew the answer to that. (laughs) (laughs) It looked to me like it hit. And, I mean, if the ref didn't call it and there wasn't a camera with the perfect angle, that could have so easily been, like, overturned. Yeah, I I mean, in in the Falcons, and I, I... because I, I noticed it when we were watching, is like Ricardo Allen's arm is basically what prevented the ball from hitting the ground mm-hmm. because he reached down, he kind of reached across to try and like get it or whatever. And what and when Edelman's arms came down, they basically rested on it and prevented his arms from hitting the ground. Mm-hmm. And and then he kind of double clutched it and all that. And like, yeah, I just you have three Falcons basically in a mosh pit and edelman's the one that's like whoop and just grabbed it (laughs) that was that was insane i mean that's that's gonna go on a high right reel of best catches ever which was i mean it wasn't even all him as you said he got aided by that and i think it at one point bounced off a falcon's like shin too (laughs) yeah that was crazy like you can't make that stuff up And yeah, it, it was, <laughs> I, I wasn't necessarily in shock as much as you. I was just like, oh my, oh my God. <laughs> it, was my, it was like my reaction when I was watching. I was just like, I couldn't believe it. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. To, and then uh, trying to explain that to my fiance was not easy. <laughs> well, did you see when the, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it, and obviously we, we know how it ended. They went down scored and then won the 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 coin toss and basically marched down the field um really the last thing that i kind of the last bit that i would blame the falcons on it's just poor decision making was mm-hmm. they they had fifth almost 50 seconds left they didn't have any timeouts but they had 50 seconds and you have a julio jones yeah you have julio jones you've seen that you can get these huge chunk yards and on that kick return, like it, he was in the end zone. It, he did not have to return that ball. Mm-hmm. And whoever the returner um, is, it Weems, who's the returner? I believe so. Yeah. He, for whatever reason, he's like five yards into the end zone. He runs it out and only gets to like the ten or eleven. Mm-hmm. Like. And and then it was two yard two plays later in about twenty seconds was when they finally got to the the twenty two or something like that. And you you basically wasted all that time and all those plays because your kick returner for whatever reason you didn't tell him to kneel. Mm-hmm. And I like I have to think that that just totally changed that could have changed the the calculus because. At that point, really, all you needed to do was like you're just trying to get to like the 50, so you can just boot the hell out of that ball and see if you can get a, a hail mary field goal. Mm-hmm. And 20, I mean, 25 yards, like that's that's not impossible to do in 45 seconds, it, like you said with the Julio Jones. And it, that was just it was dumbfounding for me that they made that decision to to take the ball out because they they hadn't been getting yards. It wasn't like they were getting like forty yard returns every game, every kickoff. Like they, no. they, they were. I think somebody put it, um, put up a stat where they had gone. It was like to the eleven, the ten, the fifteen. Like they weren't getting great returns, so there was really no reason for them to continue that. Yeah, Patriots special teams was not letting it happen. They are one unit who played tremendously start to finish, and I, I'm with you. I mean, I don't get it, and. 
I, I'm not sure if it was a bad decision by the player or Quinn just made another boneheaded decision to end that game. Uh, but it, I mean, it, it doesn't make sense on any level because it, you get 25 yards, which is a lot of yards, and you also save maybe five, six seconds off the clock as well, which are way more valuable than any potential say you get out to the 30 or 35 i still think the time is more valuable than a few more yards right no exactly um yeah especially if you if you're not able to stop the clock and you need to get your kicking team out there um you're gonna need that extra time yeah i just i couldn't believe it like it seems like that should have been a decision that you go in and be like you tell the guys the front man like if he's in the like you tell him you're the one making the decision if he's in the end zone you tell him to stop Mm -hmm. and you tell weems don't run if you're in the end like if that guy that guy is your future (laughs) like if he's telling you to stop you stop so it just makes no sense like it's just just poor planning on the falcons part but um Yeah. yeah oh man and then um it was just unbelievable. And then I didn't realize that it was the first Super Bowl that's ever had a, an overtime as well. That right. was crazy. Yeah. That was a crazy stat. Well, and here's the question I have to, I have to ask and and look at it from like a neutral observer. Mm-hmm. Do you do you think the the overtime rule should be changed so that the opposing team gets a possession? Um I don't know. Like, I don't necessarily have a problem with the rules they would, the way they are. I wouldn't be opposed to them getting a new position or possession, and I wouldn't be opposed to just, like, adding a full another quarter, give them 15 minutes to hash it out, just kind of like other mm-hmm. sports do, um, like basketball specifically. Hockey doesn't do that. Um, Soccer does that style also. Yeah, that's it's true. A, it's a truncated third i guess <laughs> yeah exactly so i i wouldn't necessarily be opposed to that but i'm not one of the people that really has a problem with the rules i think the way they have it set up to where if they if you get a field goal you get a possession is fine um i do kind of like the aspect of you know your defense if you're that team that loses the toss your defense has to make a play and I like the intensity that brings. If they for sure get a second possession, it doesn't make it as significant for that defense or, or what mm. the offense has to do. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think it – I think if they, that rule was in place, I don't think it changed – it would have changed the outcome of no. the game last night. I, I don't think the Falcons were going to be able to move. Assuming the Patriots still scored that touchdown, I don't think the, the Falcons would have been able to match um, – but I was just curious because I saw some people. I know that there have been in the past there have been there's a uh, per, there's a specific um, Denver Post, not Denver Post. Maybe it was um, a Denver writer who basically said that like Peyton Manning should have gotten another possession during a regular season game against Seattle because of the overtime rules. And, and then when Aaron Rodgers lost in the NFC Championship game, people were like, "Oh, he should have had a possession." So I was just curious where you where you fell on that that spectrum. Yeah, and if the results were flipped, I'm sure I would feel differently. But um, I don't know. It, it's it's all right by me, and I don't think the game was any less entertaining for it. Um, I think that everyone got uh, got their money's worth. Um, unfortunately for Falcons fans, they <laughs> choked it away. Um, <laughs> it's the I'll share with any listeners the 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 um the comment that I found this morning or someone shared where it was like a Falcons fan they're like well I woke up this morning and that was disappointing <laughs> uh, I've been there brother I feel you <laughs> I still live it every day <laughs> there's usually at least one moment where that it's gonna be like it's like a sore Mm-hmm. Where like sometimes you kind of forget it's there, and then like you know you reach and you're like oh, and and you're like ah, oh, I remember. <laughs> yeah, every time I see a Giants jersey like in the in the public in the wild, 
I just started to like <laughs> shake my head and like friggin' David Tyree, man. <laughs> oh man. But I, I, I would ask you, but I don't even think it's going to be a discussion. Mm-hmm. Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, greatest ever. I mean, like it's, it's not even it, it sucks it's selfish because they took away a like great dinner conversation that yeah. people have I, I mean i don't see how even like the biggest haters of them can say they're not the greatest brady now has the most super bowl rings by a quarterback and two silver medals essentially to super bowls he's gone to seven freaking championships which is insane uh you know that hasn't happened since the nfl is the nfl i think that was back to when it was uh before the merger and before there's an actual super bowl just those old championship games which yeah to me are meaningless um, yeah it's not even it's not even in the considered in the, the same era yeah so i don't see how you say that he's not um i mean some people probably try and say oh yeah but um deflate gate or some stupid nonsense like that (laughs) but i mean i i think the conversation has shifted from is he the greatest quarterback to is he the greatest player of all time honestly which i think he makes a very good case for that is a whole nother conversation yeah but and then on belichick just kind of the same thing he he's done incredible things and i think before he hangs it up he'll hold all the records i think the only significant one he's behind on is regular season wins and that's just longevity more than anything Mm-hmm. no yeah i mean i would say that the last time that i wouldn't have considered him the greatest was probably there was like that little stretch right after their their last Super Bowl appearance before 49 and 51 mm-hmm. where there was sort of like they were really good but like it just seemed there was like that feeling of like oh you know he's getting older and you know like basically leading up to that Chiefs game where everyone was like oh my god are, are they gonna cut you know like is mm-hmm. this the last Brady like I think that was probably the last moment where you could maybe make an argument that Manning was better, mm-hmm. um, even though you had few, he had fewer Super Bowl wins. Um, but after that, I mean, with with the neck surgery and and all that kind of stuff, I, I think you know Brady. Yeah, there's there's just really no. It's not. It isn't a discussion because there's just really nothing. It's not even like a LeBron Michael situation anymore mm-hmm. where like you could kind of like, I think a lot of people would say like Jordan's better, but like, you know, there's still some debate like, oh, you know, different eras. Like Brady's just better. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, and like you said, now, now he's gone from, is he the greatest quarterback to, is he one of the greatest football players that's ever played? And that, and I think that gets tougher just because like, He's not a physical freak, mm-hmm. you know. Like you look, like he's not a, you know, he's not a Deion Sanders. He's not a Jerry Rice. Like he doesn't have that sort of like gravitas in terms of like just being like, oh my god. He's not a Bo Jackson sort of like just physical specimen. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where it gets difficult. But it's just like on pure achievement. I mean, yeah, he's in that discussion. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I don't know. I I've been waiting for some I because I hate myself, I usually read the comments at the bottom of like ESPN and NFL.com oh articles. <laughs> just, I I I think it's just sadomasochistic. Um <laughs> but like I just am waiting for someone to try and make an argument that's not just like a whole comment that's bookended by asterisks and stupid crap like that. Um <laughs> It's crazy, like I, how lucky we are to even if you hate them to live in a time to see success like that, to see a dynasty when there shouldn't be a dynasty, when the league's set up to prevent things like this, to prevent people from ruling two decades almost at this point, a decade and a half, mm-hmm. um, and I think before he hangs it up, it will be a full two decades. Um, 
It's insane. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And if I say any more, I'll get into the other topics. So we'll probably <laughs> wrap it up there. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, kind of. I, I we'll have plenty of other episodes on all of this kind of stuff. Like maybe just like what are your kind of like immediate thoughts? Um, basically, there's nothing really happening for the rest of the month. Um, although I, the the new league year kicked off, so now you'll see guys getting claimed and cut. But mm-hmm. um, kind of any like immediate thoughts about what you'll see, what will, we should expect league wide, or just kind of you know anything, any parting thoughts on the the past season or or anything like that. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I'll start off. I have a couple quick final thoughts about the Super Bowl. Um, I am enormous fan of both Malcolm Mitchell and Trey Flowers, but to see those two like come up big in the fourth quarter was pretty pretty awesome. Um, they have bright futures. Among my amazing predictions, I did predict a 35-28, and as far as I'm concerned, it is 35-28 had they had the opportunity <laughs> to kick the PAT. So, uh, suck it. Um, and... Uh, I had some other things, but whatever. I can't remember. Um, it was amazing. Patriots rock. Everyone else sucks. Um, <laughs> as far hum- as humble and victory as always. I kept it together for a while. Give me credit. <laughs> I could just uh, got in here and go na 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 na. I, I was expecting that to be most of the episode of just you being like the Patriots won. <laughs> uh, dude, I went to so. Side story, I went to the chiropractor today, and as I was walking in to, like, sign in um, that we have to at this joint, um, there were these two older ladies talking about it, and they're like, oh, I wanted the Falcons to win so bad, and I, I parked up next to them. I'm, because I'm me, I was wearing, like, everything Patriots branded, and I'm just like, hello, and then they're like, oh, and I'm like, yep. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> uh, that was fun. Anywho, back to your original question. Um, I think it was a pretty crazy season. I mean, obviously the the Patriots had a crazy season. The whole Brady suspension, all the craziness that went in there with all the quarterbacks. Um, you saw a lot of like rising and falling. We saw the Cardinals, who were a Super Bowl favorite. I mean, most people were predicting like Patriots Cardinals at the beginning of the season and they mm. just took an absolute dump. Um, who knows if they even have a starting QB next year. Um, and you had someone like the radar uh, radars, the Raiders um, <laughs> one broken. Was it a broken leg? Uh, yeah. Something like broken ankle or something yeah. like that. Some one lower body injury from being <laughs> arguably I think they could have at least gone to the championship game, maybe the Super Bowl. Um, so it was, uh, it was a good season, man. It's like all, although we have our criticisms about like the pretty, just, bleh, um, primetime games and the Monday night games and the Thursday night games. All in all, it was um, pretty awesome, and that might be biased because my team, you know, pulled it out and played one of the best games I've seen in my life um, or at least the best half or two and a half quarters um, it was crazy and free agency is going to be interesting um, one thing that I've kind of seen already is Martellus Bennett mentioning how Super Bowl champions always get overpaid so <laughs> that'll be that's an interesting dynamic we'll talk we're of course as you said going to have a lot of things about um, free agency and the next year but uh i've rambled on enough there's there's a couple thoughts (laughs) yeah i I mean my my just biggest takeaway is i think overall this is probably the worst nfl season in a while um really outside of the super bowl um just got a lot of the games were pretty blah um it the patriots obviously were the best but they never felt dominant like if it never felt like there was like that one team um you know you kind of had the cowboys but it's just so hard to root for i think as a non-cowboys fan like (laughs) 
it, it they're they're so polarizing. Like you're you're not gonna. It's not like the Raiders, like you're saying, where like I could sit there and be like, oh, I'm not a Raiders fan, but like I don't mind sitting and watching them. It's just like the Cowboys. It's like, ah. <laughs> um, yeah, agreed. It, it just felt like the product took a step back. Um, and you know, is it just a odd year? You know, like injuries here and there. Um, you know, did it mess stuff up or? or is it an issue with like the talent pipeline? Like we know that there's always been co- complaints about the offensive line um, the prospects coming into the NFL. So that was really just my biggest takeaway from the whole season. Is it? It seems like the product got worse at a bad time for the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you know the between Deflate Gate and all of the CTE stuff and just kind of the like sort of like it feels like a general annoyance with the front office um it seems like they can't afford to have the on-field product get worse and it felt like it did um yeah the nfl needs to get out of its own way yeah i I mean you know for a 10 billion dollar industry it just seems like they make a lot of stupid mistakes that are for horribly short-term profit um at the expense of the long-term interest of the organization um so yeah i mean that's my biggest one um my biggest takeaway from this season but uh, <laughs> it was a good one yeah um so yeah i mean that's that's really all we have uh, just kind of wrapped up the 2016 nfl season even though it's only our third episode so um <laughs> but uh reminder you can find us um on itunes by searching for running east and west um you can find us on twitter by following east to west pod um and you can find us on our website at www.blackgirlstudios.com um like like john said we've got tons of stuff that we're going to be working on during the off season um like i I think the new free agency something starts in like three weeks um so we'll be covering Mm -hmm. it uh, oh, I was gonna. Uh, yeah, I saw a calendar. It's like something in twenty-two days and something else in thirty-one days. So, sounds about right. Yeah, it's the NFL is exceptionally good at not letting there be too many um, days without NFL news. Um, As Belichick put it, they're already five weeks behind on the twenty seventeen season. Yeah, yeah, that's it. it it's interesting because um, I I watch MLS some. Um, and the Seattle Sounders won the MLS Cup uh, back in December, and they're already doing their preseason wow. games. Yeah. <laughs> There's no rest for the weary. No. I mean, and people complain about like the length of, or basically the short offseason for baseball, especially if you're in the playoffs because you'll be playing through October, that they're already going to be going to spring training now, basically. <laughs> um and so, yeah, MLS is even shorter. Um, and these guys also play on a lot of other teams. Um, you know, they get called up for national teams and all that. But this is not a soccer podcast. This is an NFL podcast. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we, we'll have tons of stuff. Um, we'll be doing kind of like um, divisional breakdowns, draft previews, all that kind of stuff. So definitely definitely tune in. There really is no off season. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, we appreciate if you listen to subscribe, leave us a rating. Um helps us but uh but thanks yeah we'll see you next week see you